Hello, 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 and welcome back. Um, I decided to do the intro without the music first today because someone in the She Built This group shared with our peer group last week that she had her earbuds in when she was falling asleep at night, and lo and behold, at 3.33 a.m., guess what music was blasting in her ears because the podcast episode had just dropped. Um, I guess she listens to a podcast to help her go to sleep, and she had forgotten to turn off her podcast, and mine played automatically bringing her the she built this intro loud and clear in her ears very, very early in the morning. I was like, oh my God, I do not wish that upon anyone. So I decided to do a cold open and we'll bring the music in in a minute. Um, I'm also going to keep today's intro short and sweet because I want to get you straight into this interview with my guest. And if this is your first time here, I want to give you a big fanfare throw all the confetti and say welcome. I'm Emily Aborn and I am the host of this podcast. I'm also the community founder and leader of She Built This, which is a, in addition to this podcast, it's also a community for women entrepreneurs who I think come together to put everything that we talk about on this podcast in action. Like we are the community that's making a big impact, following our dreams, building the businesses that we want to build and the lives that we want to build. Um, I'm also a content writer for women entrepreneurs. And of course, I have, like you, lots of other titles like dog mom, wife, auntie, daughter, sister, sister-in-law, all the things. But I'm not going to list all the hats I wear because you get it. You wear a lot yourself, probably more, which is exactly why this podcast exists. We are all in this together. We're all doing this thing, either entrepreneurially or in our professional and personal lives. And I really want this to be like our little space, our little place where we have the conversations that make the journey easier and because I can't help myself but have fun, I also wanted to be more enjoyable. So if you are new here, you can always expect tips, tools, resources, inspiration, funny stories from yours truly, and behind the scenes of the grit that sometimes goes into building a life that you feel proud of for yourself. So today's exception is... Sorry, today's episode is no exception to that rule. And it came to be after um, a string of things happening politically that were front of my attention. And I really had this desire to connect with people who were supporting other women and could help us as women really make change by taking action. So like I tend to do when something pulls at me, I will find somebody who can either speak to it in a more intellectual and educated way than I can, or I'll talk about it myself if I know any better. Um, but I really look for somebody who can give us action steps to getting involved and and making the difference that we want to make. So that's what brought me to today's conversation with Crystal Paradis of the Women Run Program at the New Hampshire Women's Foundation. Now, I know a lot of you listening are like, wait, I'm not from New Hampshire. I'm going to stop this episode here. Don't. Even if you're tempted, just don't. You can glean from this episode so many truths and practices that can be applied no matter where you live. And Crystal helps you figure out where you can learn more about the resources in your own area as well. So just sharing specifically in New Hampshire, 
Um, women represent 37%, only 37% of current New Hampshire House and Senate members. And my guest, Crystal, she's really on a mission to help change that. We want to increase that number by supporting policies that bring women and girls into office and allow, and so New Hampshire, um, the New Hampshire Women's Foundation, they really offer like these skill-based trainings and the community around campaigning for political office and getting involved on state and local levels. So this episode is for you. If you are, you're just curious about what opportunities there are, if maybe you've considered getting more involved in politics and you just haven't, like something has held you back. Um, so this is going to help you to learn what opportunities are out there in, in maybe some ways that you didn't actually expect or even know about. It also will help you if you want to stand by and back and support other women who are running for offices and making political decisions that are going to help represent all human beings equally. And as you listen to this week's episode, I really just encourage you to keep an open mind because you can think about so much of this beyond just a political lens, beyond just the po- the politics, right? Um, now, here's a, here's a fact for you. When women run for office, they are just as likely to win as men. But the problem is, is that women are significantly less likely to run in the first place. Experts believe that this is because women feel less qualified to run than men, even if they've had similar education and experience, and that women are less likely than men to receive the positive encouragement they need to run for office. So that's what this episode is all about. It's about helping to break down those barriers and give women the tools, the confidence, and the community that they need to raise their hands and run. And I'm going to say the tools, the confidence, and the community they need to raise their hands and and do whatever it is that they want to go for. Um, so that's specifically what the Women Run program here in New Hampshire it exists for. And I just want to remind us all, I know you know this, but Change really does start with each and every one of us. It starts with each and every one of us learning and uh, being committed to standing behind our values. And it also often happens right in our own backyard. So without further ado, I know I say that all the time, but I could have do all day. Uh, my guest, Crystal Parody, is Director of Strategic Communications and Community Engagement for the New Hampshire Women's Foundation. You can read her full bio in the show notes. She has quite an impressive one, um, but just some highlights I pulled out. Her previous experience includes founding and running Feminist Oasis, which is a social enterprise exploring intersection feminist values in action. She's also been part of organizing large community events, including Portsmouth Pride, TEDx Portsmouth, and advocating around reproductive justice, LGBTQ plus issues, substance use awareness, gun violence prevention, and poverty. Um, Crystal has been working on political campaigns from municipal to presidential and engaging community through her writing from local newspapers to op-eds. I hope you learn a lot and feel inspired by our interview. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Crystal. 
Thanks for having me. Yes, I am so excited to get started. And I read about you before you joined us, but I'd love to hear a little bit like in your own words, who you are, what you do, and also like what brought you to where you are in your journey. Yeah, so um, thanks for asking. Um, I am the Director of Strategic Communications and Community Engagement for the New Hampshire Women's Foundation. We're a statewide community foundation um, that in addition to our grant making to support nonprofits who are helping women and girls across the state, um, we also do quite a lot of advocacy and education and also research. Um, So part of my role is just getting the word out about the great work that our grantees is doing, getting out um, the research that we're doing. We're the only um, entity in New Hampshire that's doing research through a gender lens. So how are women and girls doing across a variety of um, indicators? And uh, the Women Run program, which I think uh, you're a little bit familiar with, which is a really cool program. Uh, There's nothing else like it in the state of New Hampshire. We're the the only program that is a nonpartisan program that women can really dip their toes in the water of running for office. Um, So we help to uh, encourage and train women to run for office across the state of New Hampshire. Um, And a lot of people are familiar with some of the bigger roles in New Hampshire and the federal offices and the statewide offices. But we're also really excited that we get to tell people a lot about uh, local offices as well and the really big impact that they can have there. Um, And how I came to that work was I I really came to the Women's Foundation through the Women Run program. Um, So I was a local elected official here in my uh, home city of Summersworth. I was on city council. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, I was a, a fresh new city councilor who was along with all of our local officials uh, dealing with how to be a local elected official uh, during our first ever global pandemic during our lifetimes. Um, and I you know, had worked with the Women's Foundation on and off through um, its previous iteration, the New Hampshire Women's Initiative, um, and with some of the people that were working in that program on other projects. And I was brought in because I had um, a tech background as well. I used to work in digital marketing for some agencies. Um, And so I came in to really figure out how we could get our women run program online. Uh, This was before people were really familiar with Zoom. And so we sort of took our our existing curriculum and the programs that we would do in person to recruit women to run for office around the state and really put that online and tried to create a welcoming environment online for, for women to, um, again, have that first safe entry point of running for office. And then also for people who had run before, you know, campaigning during COVID was uh, really new to everyone. So that's sort of how I came into that role. So I definitely want to get more into women run because I have some specific questions around that. Mm-hmm. But when you said research, um, I couldn't help but but uh, hone in on that because I'm curious to know, like, if there's any broad picture that you see being painted right now, like, what is the landscape for New Hampshire women and New Hampshire girls? Like, what are you seeing as trends and themes and things like that coming up through the research? Yeah, well, I think this really started um, many, many years ago with some of our predecessor organizations focusing on research. And it's really interesting. If you go to nhwomensfoundation.org and click on research, you can go back um, pretty far with our publications. I would say what stands out to me in terms of what New Hampshire women and girls are facing um, that's unique is um, 
you know, of course we still see that women and girls have not yet reached equality across so many different sectors. Um, one of our more recent pieces, um, you know, when uh, the Supreme Court was in the news a lot and Ketanji Brown Jackson was named as the first woman of color to the Supreme Court, um, as that conversation was happening, we decided to take a look at um, state judges and state um state Supreme Court judgeships and gender there and saw, of course, that uh, women are vastly, vastly underrepresented in our judiciary system here in New Hampshire. Um, but beyond issues of representation, I mean, you know, New Hampshire tends to have a lower poverty rate in general, but we still see, you know, when we look at broad statewide statistics, I think we miss some of the story. And so what I find so interesting is when we break down things by either race and ethnicity or geography. So, so um, New Hampshire has 10 counties and Rockingham County is, you know, most of the seacoast and Coas County is, you know, most of the northern part of New Hampshire. And if you live in New Hampshire, you know that um, life is very, very different depending on the county that you live in because, you know, the different counties have such different characteristics and economies and opportunity and everything like that. So I always find it very interesting to see, you know, our status of girls report came out last year and it was really interesting to see the disparity of things like poverty, things like healthcare access, things like mental health. Um, There's a really big difference in access across the state and you really see that um, play out in the research. And that is really helpful, not just for our grantees who again are nonprofits that are you know, doing work on behalf of women and girls, but also we can bring that to the state legislature. So when there's certain bills coming up, uh, for example, for mental health funding, we can bring them our research and say, you know, girls in Coas County are really struggling in this particular area. And so legislators from that county will know that this is a matter that's really important to their constituents. So I think there's two things sort of at play here. One is, I mean, there's probably many things at play, but one is like, we actually need somebody to go stand up and advocate for like the laws and the policy changes that are going to make these things more equal and accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And number two, I bet there are a lot of opportunities that we just don't know about as women and as girls. So I'm curious to know like what opportunities are out there that people just simply aren't taking advantage of or maybe don't know about. And then like, how do you guys help get the word out about that? Yeah. So a really good example is um, one of our uh, recent gender matters from last year, we looked at representation in town government. Um, And I think that town government really doesn't get the spotlight like a lot of other elected positions do. And not only do women um, not often know the great opportunity that there is to serve at the local level and, and really how easy it can be to step up and serve a lot of these a lot of these positions go uncontested or maybe might have nobody running in them at all. But then there's also a lot of uh, local boards and commissions like there's in, in my city of Summersworth, um, there are, you know, conservation commissions, uh, library commissions and boards. And so there's a lot of different ways to step up and serve in the community. Um, that is a really big opportunity. And, you know, we called out in our in our gender matters about the town government that we found that there were actually 41% of New Hampshire towns that had zero women on their select board, which is, if you're familiar with city councils and mayors in cities, in a town form of government, the select board is that executive level 
um, decision-making body. And often it's just three people or just five people or maybe seven people. And so it's just a couple of people in the town making all of those executive decisions. And in most cases, passing the school board budget as well. And 41% of New Hampshire towns having zero women represented at that executive level. That's a lot of lived experience that's being missed in those towns. And so I think getting the word out with a really shocking statistic like that, that's not 41% of positions are held by women. That's 41% of towns that have no women at that level. I think that is really compelling for people to look at, oh, who are my select board members in my town that represent me? And maybe show up to a couple of meetings, see the landscape of what's there and be like, you know what, I can do that. (laughs) This is a place that my skills as someone who runs a home, someone who runs a business, someone who is a leader in different ways can really step up and serve their community. I I totally need to do some research and look into my town and find out who the select board is because I don't know <laughs> that information, which is unfortunate. Um, but secondly, it's like it's like patterns, right? So if we aren't if we aren't breaking the pattern, it just keeps on being the same people, same people, same people. And nobody, mm-hmm. I think it just mm-hmm. kind of like flies under the radar. So let's shift gears and talk about women run. And I mean, like, what is, what does the program really do to help equip women to be able to step into political offices, but also in your mind, like, what does it take to win those kind of mm-hmm. offices? Yeah. So something that we have found over and over and over is that women, when they do run for office, they are just as likely as men to win. Um, And they also make better decisions when it comes to um, making more financially sound decisions and in issues that are often framed as family issues or women's issues like healthcare and education, which are, you know, pretty much staple issues for everyone. Uh, Women tend to bring a lot to the table. They tend to um, seek bipartisan compromise more and actually get things done, sponsor more bills and things like that. I mean, the statistics are never ending about how wonderful women are as public servants. But what we found is a real barrier is women seeing themselves as a candidate or as an elected official. So, so many women will want to get involved, will want to do something And oftentimes they come to our training because we make it a really safe place to show up, even if you just want to support other people running. And by the end of the training, maybe some women see, well, maybe I can actually be the person to run. I mean, we have local officials that came to our early trainings and now come back and they're panelists and speakers because they are now elected officials who said, I ended up running because I was trying so hard to get one of my friends to run or somebody else in town to run. And I finally had to realize it's got to be me that runs. Um, and so we really help people overcome that barrier with some hands-on training and some information on, you know, again, like showing those statistics that you're just as likely to win. And some of what we do is um, we had a recent, um, you know, half day training uh, for women that were interested in running. And we would go through really basic things like practicing your pitch. What does it mean to get up and say like, I'm running for X town in my city because, or for X um, position in my town or city because I really care about education, um, sharing a little bit about your personal story, seeing ways that your experience as an active community volunteer really translates super well into public service and other things that people think, you know, oh, I didn't go to Harvard or I didn't get a degree in public policy or, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated about reading a town budget. What does all that mean? And really sharing the information that you're, you're just as qualified as you are 
Um, you're more qualified as you are probably than most of the other people who've run for office. And, you know, just sort of getting over that barrier of not seeing yourself in office and, and hearing from other women who are saying, you know, I think I might want to run or I want to support other people that run. That ends up being, although it sounds very basic, the most helpful thing for so many women who come to our trainings. One other thing that I, I just have a curiosity around because I could see this being a barrier for, for me is like, mm -hmm. what kind of time commitment are you kind of typically looking at when you get involved in this way? Yeah, that is one of the most common questions. And it's really helpful to have people, you know, oftentimes we'll bring a group or a, a panel together of elected officials who all have very different answers to that question because it varies so much based on the position and the community that you're in. Um, and so we often will tell people, you know, go and find someone who is serving in a very similar role in your town or your community, and they'll be able to give you a good idea. Um, I know just serving on city council in Summersworth, it was, you know, anywhere from 10 hours a week if I was, you know, getting a lot of um, constituents reaching out or I had a lot of, you know, information to read about certain bills that would come up and then maybe just an hour or so a week in on some weeks. And so it really varies based on, what you put into it and what you're running for. So, you know, if you're running for a city council or a select board position or even school board, there might be some paperwork that comes along with that, that you're expected to, and hopefully are reading through and really understanding. Um, but a lot of these boards and commissions, and again, even if you're not um, doing a lot of research behind the scenes, just asking really good questions as an elected official is already doing so much. I mean, uh, a lot of governments, um, uh, again, some select boards are actually the executive level, but um, depending on the size of the town or city, there is a lot of staff and or a town manager or a city manager that's doing a lot of the legwork and research. And so your job as an elected official is really to ask good questions. <laughs> and so to show up to the meeting, ask really thoughtful questions and make decisions based on what your constituents want and the betterment of your community um, you know, we always say to people, if, if you love your community, that's your qualification to serve. And so the amount of time putting into it can, can really vary based on what that position is. But, um, you know, a lot of times, if you look at who holds those roles, you know, a lot of them have full-time jobs too. And so they, um, they're juggling all of this. And we say, you know, if, if the people that are doing the job now can juggle this, we know that you can do it too. I guess one more question specifically around women run. Do you help under, do you help kind of understand like what the different government structures are and then like where, what the different position options are and what those kind of look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's something that we definitely get into, you know, a lot of times uh, the position of state representative or New Hampshire house comes up a lot because it's a thing that gets um, quite a lot of visibility, and there are so many of them. So in New Hampshire, there are actually 400 state representatives. Wow. And so the state house is, you know, the third largest governing body, I believe, in the world behind U.S. Congress and the House of Parliament in Britain. Um, but there's so many representatives. So it, it means that in some towns, you can get elected with a pretty small number of total votes because there are just, you know, they've sliced up the state into such tiny, tiny little pieces that in order to be state rep, it's a pretty accessible office to run for. Um, but even with that position, you know, we explain what that position is and what it does and that, you know, they typically meet during a session um, a couple of days a week and you'll know ahead of time, you know, what days certain votes are happening and things like that. But then again, like I've, I've talked a lot about local races because 
um, that is something that people tend to not know about quite as much. So we'll explain, you know, here's what city council is, here's what select board is, here's what school board is. And that's school boards often a very safe entry point, uh, particularly for women, because women who have kids in school systems might already know about their school board or at least know uh, what decisions or what improvements they would want to make if they were on school board, things around, you know, meals for their kids or curriculum or different policies at school board level. So that tends to be um, one of those pretty safe entry points for a lot of women who might not otherwise be involved in government. Um, but then again, like uh, telling people, you know, you can go to your town or city website and, you know, in New Hampshire, there's a lot of pretty rural towns and cities. So it varies how much information you can find there. But often a lot of them are pretty good about listing if there's openings for certain things, or at least a list of different boards and commissions in your town. Um, and then if you can't find it online, just calling up your town clerk or your city clerk. Um, again, some, some towns in New Hampshire that they may only be in the office a certain days or certain hours or hours a week. But if you can get your town clerk or city clerk on the phone and just say, Hey, you know, I'm interested in potentially getting involved. Are there different boards or commissions that currently have openings and how do I apply for that? And oftentimes it's just a matter of filling out one piece of paper that says, this is my name. Yes, I'm a resident here and I'm just interested because I really like the library or I'm interested because I care about sustainability and so I want to be on that commission. Um, a lot of times it's pretty simple uh, to get involved because um, at the local committee level anyway, it's mostly all volunteer. I think I got paid $82 a month as a city councilor, which is actually more than a state representative makes. So these are mostly volunteer roles. And so most times people are just very excited that, you know, you're willing to step up and serve in that way. And that's a wonderful way to, to just enter the system and get involved. What's something you're seeing as a really um, positive ripple effect right now or impact that, that is being made throughout the state? Yeah, so I think um, a really positive thing that we're seeing uh, through our women-run program and just people getting connected around that program is the camaraderie. So a lot of times there's just so much uh, perceived mystery that shrouds government. And then once we connect women in a cohort or a class or a Zoom training, they're able to connect with each other either offline or we invite them to join our Facebook group and they find community that way. Um, but just the building of community and having someone that you know you can call up and be like, oh, I know this person has served this role before, or they serve in a similar role in a different community, or you know they're running for the same position as me. That um, mentorship and cross-collaboration around the state of other women specifically is really, really encouraging to see. And um, something that I personally have been so excited to see is particularly at our state Senate level, um, we have a number of women serving right now in our state Senate who have just been enormous role models for women across the state. And you can see in just how they speak about bills when they come up, they're speaking from an experience of being young mothers or of being in families that are struggling with these issues, just like the rest of New Hampshire. And so it's such a refreshing change of pace from, you know, a lot of older retired men who typically had served in the New Hampshire Senate until shockingly recent. Um, it's really wonderful to see um, young women, young moms in families that are serving at the state Senate level and really, um, you know, opening, holding open that door and pulling up other women in that ladder behind them uh, to serve across the state. So I just find it incredibly inspiring to tune in and watch. 
And then, um, I guess conversely, what, I, by the way, community and collaboration, like those are of course my jam and mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. see women coming together in that way and not being competitive, but being mm-hmm. collaborative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess conversely, yeah. What is still kind of like, what still kind of like gets under your skin or you feel frustrated by, or you're like, oh my God, this is a huge opportunity area and we still haven't quite been able to break through. Where to begin? Um, I think uh, so many things uh, fall under the umbrella of people's stories not being heard. Um, And again, like I just tend to look at uh, silver linings or the positive sides, but it's it's so wonderful when I do see people come forward and share their stories. And I think um, that that comes from a place of maybe not seeing it all the time. Um, So when certain bills come up, I mean, you know, this last session, uh, reproductive health and abortion rights were were on the radar in our state and state house and Senate, just like they were at the national level. And to see um, people coming forward and really having to share their stories on the one hand, it's very frustrating that um, we had people that have been through some really bad medical situations and some really unpleasant experiences. It's unfortunate that they had to you know, relive their trauma telling these stories, but um, we did see the positive benefit that we were able to see um, exceptions to the pretty extreme abortion ban that was signed last year because a couple of mothers were able to come forward and talk about difficult pregnancies that they had where they needed abortion care um, for a pregnancy that was very wanted for a child that they very much wanted. And I think having examples of stories that um, challenge the norm of what people on another side of an issue might assume uh, is really helpful for a bipartisan collaboration of support for certain issues that's just best for everyone's health. And so I think when I when I get frustrated, when I see certain bills passed or certain elected officials um, speaking about certain issues, the antidote to that is always more stories. And even better than that, people serving in those positions who have the lived experience to not be shocked when people come forward with certain stories because they've actually lived those experiences themselves. And so I think women bring just so much to the table in even thinking about the lived experience of women across the state. Um, And those stories are still missing and they are still, unfortunately, things that you, you and I might find like very run of the mill um, situations are, are missing from a lot of these legislators point of view. To be honest, it was that issue um, that really, that, that really said to me, okay, I need to bring people on my podcast that are helping women to make the changes in the things that they believe in. So Mm -hmm. um, that's honestly like why I reached out to you originally. Um, So I guess as women business owners and leaders, let's let's put aside like maybe they're not in a position right now where they want to step in and actually take on a a role or a position. But what can we be doing to champion, um, let's say, the policies and other women in office? Like what are some actionable things that we can do as business owners? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. I love approaching it from that angle. So um you know, I was someone who, and I, 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 uh, the New Hampshire Women's Foundation is a nonpartisan organization, but I'll speak to my pre 
women's foundation role, I was working in the 2016 election for the side that lost the presidency. Um, and so I was really frustrated with, you know, what can I do in this environment? It, it feels like there's not a lot I can do politically. And I also pivoted to entrepreneurship and small business because I thought, you know what, um, I don't think the policies that I want to see that are um, pro-women in the way that I define that um, are going to be put into place through government. And so I really um, did a deep dive on what uh, business and small businesses could do to advance certain policies. So um, an example I use is I have worked as a barista at Starbucks and I was really inspired when Starbucks as a company offered same-sex benefits uh, for anyone that worked for Starbucks. And that's a national company, obviously. There are Starbucks all over the country. Um, and so to see that a business could make a decision before either the Supreme Court or Congress legislated certain rights, that a business could say, you know what, we're going to recognize that same-sex couples have every right as married heterosexual couples in our company. That was really inspiring to me. And I thought, oh, what are other policies that people could do? Um, something that... Um, we talk a lot about at New Hampshire Women's Foundation is paid leave policies and family-friendly policies. So that is something that sadly New Hampshire is pretty far behind on. New Hampshire is the only New England state um, in the six New England states that has no family leave or paid leave policies at all. There is some, you know, federal uh, medical leave policies that say you can't get fired, but you're not getting paid for that as a state mandate in uh, wow. in the state of New Hampshire. So. Um, something that business owners could do is have really good um, policies in place as a business for employees to have that flexibility if a child or a parent that they're caretaking for at home is sick um, to have that paid time off. Obviously, uh, parental leave, whether it's maternity, paternity, adoption, leave for new parents in your business is another really great one. Um, equal pay is something that sadly, you know, every year we celebrate equal pay day as well celebrate is maybe not the right word, but it's the day, um, into the next year that most women have to work to make the same amount of money that men have made in the previous year. So it's sort of a, a reverse celebration. I would say a recognition, uh, that many women are still not paid as much. Um, and I'll share a little story. I was talking to my mom a couple of years ago, who's pretty conservative. And so we, we differ on some issues. And she was like, you know, I was wondering why you were getting involved in all of this. She called it women's lib stuff. Because, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, women have equality. But then I noticed just because I was reading a lot of what you were writing, suddenly I realized that she worked in um, her billing office at her small small business company that she worked at. And she was like, I realized that when we, um, when we let go this man employee, uh, my boss wanted to give him all this severance. And then we let go a woman not too long after that. And he didn't want to give her anything. And he said it was because this man had this family to support. <laughs> and that oh, made me realize like, Oh, wow, that's still happening. <laughs> and this is, you know, couldn't be more conservative of a person and, and really thought like, what is feminism? Why do we need to be that way anymore? Everyone, you know, it's not illegal for women to have jobs and to vote and things like that. Um, so, so there may be discriminations happening um, in businesses these days that you would be really surprised at. So I think as business leaders, just making it the norm to, you know, not let those um, unchecked biases get in the way when you're making financial decisions and to make sure that it's flexible for people 
to work at your company, um, not only is going to be for, better for everyone, but even in the example of having an employee that feels comfortable running for office, you know, if she knows that she can serve on her city council and it's not going to be an issue if once or twice a month um, she leaves an hour early to make that meeting, that's going to make a really big difference. Um, this might not end up being a bipartisan source, um, but what is your favorite place to like keep keep informed and also like stay on top of what is going on? Oh, actually, I mean, the New Hampshire Bulletin is one of my favorite. Uh, they're, you know, a, a very well-balanced uh, local news source that um, I hope they stick around forever. I know local journalism is uh, really in peril these days, but um, they started up just a couple of years ago, and I found that their coverage, particularly when it comes to um, women's issues, particularly when it comes to abortion rights, particularly when it comes to child care, all these issues that we think of as, you know, family issues or women's issues, um, they do really, really good investigative reporting and deep dive on state issues. So that's probably my favorite New Hampshire source. Um, and I'll say NPR, it's a pretty good uh, source of, you know, you don't really get uh, too much bias there either, but it's a pretty good source of um, information of what's going on both locally, shout out to NHPR. I love my local NHPR um, station, but also NPR as a whole, um, as a national news organization, I find to be really informative and, and, and pretty unbiased. I, I think any, any news source that is too far one way or the other can get really, really overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I, I like to stick to some pretty middle of the road <laughs> news sources just to feel informed and also put that protection of self-care in place where you're not getting too inflamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, and I do think it's like a requirement at NHPR that you have to have like an amazing voice, which I really, yeah. really appreciate because some voices, I just cannot listen to some voices. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but they're all wonderful. So, okay. Uh, and then l why don't you, why don't we wrap up by just having you share like how to connect and get involved involved specifically with the New Hampshire Women's Foundation? Yeah. So the New Hampshire Women's Foundation, again, is a statewide community foundation. So wherever people are listening to across New Hampshire, um, we are here for you. And also around the country, I would, I would urge people to check out the Women's Funding Network. Uh, we are uh, a member of that network. And so people that are listening in different states might find that there's a Women's Foundation close to them. They're not all um, like us involved in advocacy. I think the Women Run program is pretty unique. Um, there may be one other uh, Women's Foundation that has a similar program, but I think it's one of the things that sets us apart. Um, so find us at nhwomensfoundation.org. And from there, you can jump onto any of our social media. Um, we're pretty active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and we also, you can sign up for our weekly email newsletter that we put together. And that's one of my favorite things um, that I recommend to people to get involved. If you go to nhwomensfoundation.org um, and scroll down, you'll be able to find in a place to enter in your email and get our weekly emails because not only do we update you on some of the programs that we are doing, there's a little space at the end where we curate um, news, both uh, statewide and national news that particularly affect women and people who love women. Um, so it's a great way to just get little snippets of, you know, uh, positive history making news for women, which is really exciting. And then also, uh, unfortunately, when uh, our rights are under attack, uh, there's going to be some news about that as well. But it's a really great way to stay informed and keep up with what the Women's Foundation is doing. Um, and one more thing, I'm not sure uh, when this is going to air, 
However, um, in uh, October, on October 27th, uh, we're having our largest annual in-person event called Women Building Community Luncheon. And I just couldn't recommend it enough. I, I went for years before I was working at the Women's Foundation. It's just, it's a big room, several hundred people. Of course, we're using all CDC recommended precautions, but it's the first time that we'll be back in person for this event since pre-pandemic days. And so we're really excited to bring together some um, really wonderful uh, New Hampshire athletes and talk about Title IX, but also um, update on a lot of different programs that we're doing. So I recommend that people check out that event as well. Awesome. You just got yourself bumped up in the queue. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure all of those links and um, to the luncheon and everything are in the show notes for people to be able to click into. And thank you. This was really educational and informative and just like so awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to hear everything that you guys are up to and, and how you're helping support women. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do to help build community among women and particularly women here in New Hampshire as well. It was so fun talking to you. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.